guys, welcome to another episode of Del Caro on Veil. I'm your host, Delise Chung. Alongside with me is Aiden Rivera. He's my co-host and also the technical support. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Tamara Speaks, and she's the founder of Chic Confessions. Tamara is a graduate of Moore College of Arts and Design with a bachelor's degree in fashion design and a minor concentration in textile. She's a lover of all things chic. Please help me welcome Tamara Speaks. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Hey, Talise, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm so happy to have you as a guest on this second episode of Del Caro Unveils. So I give the short version of the intro. So I'm going to let you tell everyone who is Tamara Speaks. Sure. So um, I've always been an artsy kid. I grew up dancing, singing, um, was very active in church, singing on the church choir. And um, I knew that my trajectory of my life was not going to be normal. I pretty much had the college experience as what, like a 14-year-old. So I um, went away to an all-girls boarding school. And um, it was local, but I lived there. And then afterwards, I went to an all-women's art college. Um, so pretty much uh, you could say safely that I was into the whole women's movement way before it became a thing. Um, that wasn't anything I decided. That's just what organically happened. Um, I've lived, um, in Philadelphia and New York. I'm from Baltimore and, um, yeah, I'm all about, you know, just living out your dream and what that pursuit looks like, no matter what other people project on you. So other people thought, oh, well, maybe you should go into being a lawyer or this or that. And I was like, nah, that's not my flow. Let me do this. So I'm the first person to um, really tap into entrepreneurship in my family and um, the first person that has definitely made a stance in terms of the art. So that's just a little bit about my background. That's beautiful. Um, you know, it, it's always been talked about many times. Um, people always want you to be what they want to be, what they want you to be. Like your parents would put some... Mm -hmm kind of ideology oh I want you to be a, a, a doctor or a lawyer or entrepreneur yeah. or you know anything other than what you want to be and it's all about your purpose you live in your purpose so I'm glad you didn't um, let that peer pressure and you actually chose the path that you wanted to which is you know fashion and arts yeah, I mean, look, it's my life, right? Exactly. And, um, you know, I feel like I had a strong grasp of that being very young. I've always been mature for my age. And, um, you know, I just looked at it like I couldn't live with myself being older. Not like what you perceive to be old, you know, as a kid. But I just couldn't fathom being of a ripe age and knowing that I had a shot to do something that I actually loved and I fumbled it. And then by the time I realized that it would be like, quote unquote, too late to really give it a you know, a go. So that's why I chose what I chose and stuck to my guns about it. That's amazing. Um, so tell us a little about Chic Confessions. How did you came up with that name? Sure. So um, I'm, I'm chuckling because I identify as being rather bougie, but for all the positive reasons, I love the finer things of life. I'm really big on standards of excellence, you know, all jokes aside. Um, I'm really big on um, the experience, you know, you get what you pay for. So that's the, the chic part. My last name is Speaks, and it's something that I used to get teased for in elementary school a lot. I've heard every corny joke you could possibly imagine. And um, 
you know, coming out of a fashion design space, when I was married shortly after I graduated from college, um, about 10 years after that, um, I had divorced. And then I got to a spot where, like you would have writer's block, I had like design and creative block. I could not design. And this is something I've always been able to do very easily. And so it just so much happened where I just um, was able to transition. I'm not going to use the infamous P word pivot from a pandemic. (laughs) I'm kind of tired of hearing that word, but I was able to transition to something else. And so I've always had the gift of gab. That's something that will never leave me. And so I decided to use a play on my name confession. So chic confessions, um, because I really wanted to dig into, you know, building uh, relationships with people who just so happen to be in business um, and really tap into a whole market of minorities you know, small local businesses, women in business, specifically minorities in business, and really, you know, having that moment to share, you know, experiences and swap stories. So that's essentially how She Confessions was born. So tell us, did you have a mentor um, along the way, someone that guided you into the arts that you're in, you know, formulating the name She Confessions? Like, did you have Mm -hmm. a mentor along the way? really no I've had um, people who have been influential Um, I've had people who have by example um, just with their life and life choices and um, being very strategic and doing so with intention but no one person I feel like you know you always hear that you know um, a village raises a child type of thing and very similar for myself that's I would say collectively what the experience has been. So I've cherry picked from people influential um, that have had an influential um, basis in my life. And I've taken, you know, bits and pieces and just applied them as they fit, um, you know, for that period in time, but no one specifically, no, I've been um, able to adapt and make a very strong statement early on um, in terms of who I am. So I've never really had any problems articulating what that looked like. You know, so when it comes to names, when it comes to um, relaying a vision, I've never had any issues there. I noticed in your bio had stated Mm -hmm. that prior to graduating, you had the pleasure of working with one of or more than one of fashion icons. Yeah. Um, Can you tell us who these people were? (laughs) Sure. DVF and Narcissa Rodriguez. So DVF... um, AKA Diane von Furstenberg. I mean, she's just a legend in her own right. Most people know her for, you know, inventing, I'll say quote unquote, because history through history of costume, I've learned um, pretty much that when it comes to costume or when it comes to dress, pretty much everything has been done. It's just how it's expressed and her going from the wrap dress. And, you know, she was really big, um, you know, the nineties back in the day, but then essentially what ended up happening like most is that she had to reinvent. And so she went from being Diane von Furstenberg to DVF, um, you know, during that low period, she went to HSN, rebuilt, and then that pretty much her packaging just changed. You went from seeing her to this older, you know, um, career woman that I would not be able to relate to, to then seeing her with, you know, Nikki and Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, and so on and so forth. So she reemerged in the socialized status, you know, she revived some of her prints. Um, it was an absolute pleasure, you know, working and learning um, from her because her the way that she thinks, I just think is just pretty crazy. She's genius. Um, Narcissa Rodriguez, his structure is absolutely phenomenal. And I picked both of them in terms of interning. So I did both of them at the same time because they represent two different sides of the same coin. 
They're both very specific in their vision and their perspective. Um, but with Narciso, it's I would I don't want to necessarily necessarily say it's a less than more approach, but it's all about the silhouette and it's all about um, the construction and letting the detail shine through, but not get lost um, because there's so much going on. With DVF, she really pushed the envelope in terms of textile, so the prints and the texture. And that's something that I hadn't really seen done too successfully in the fashion industry, but by her in terms of longevity. So that's why I picked those two. That's beautiful. I know a lot of people who is in FIT right now that mm-hmm. would have killed to work with her and um, Rodriguez as well. Um, so it, you being a part of that interning for them, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um I know you said you hate the word pivot, but yeah. I, I know before you stepped into your entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. um, you probably worked a regular job, like maybe a nine to five mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, I wish it was a nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> That's the regular banking What's hours. That? <laughs> I know, right? No one really works that. Even myself, right. it's never nine to five. <laughs> But could you tell us, um, before that entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. journey, um, what was it like prior to getting into the entrepreneurial realm? Sure. Well, I feel like most people try to dibble and dabble. They don't treat it as a hobby, but it's not their full-time investment. So, you know, when I was hosting events and things, I did that in addition to my quote-unquote nine-to-five that was not a nine-to-five. I managed you know, stores, working in retail industry. So you're talking mall hours, et cetera. Um, You know, and then I started working even further from home. So now I've got, you know, pretty much a two to almost three hour commute um, total, you know, both ways essentially with traffic. And so my days are just really long, Um, but all in all, I was working. And then I transitioned to a company that was not the best of choices for me long-term. I always choose my places that I work very strategically, but it just wasn't a good fit because they weren't really stable quite yet. Um, so they were just coming out of that startup phase and continuing to grow, but they hadn't quite figured out, you know, the best things in terms of building teams. And um, I have been able to discover how to um, build teams very successfully. But when you work for a company that's struggling to build a team and they're building the team for me and I can't build my own team, we run into problems. So um, unexpectedly, um, pretty much, I found myself not being able to work anymore. You know, I lost my job essentially. So that happened in January, Um, you know, and so hello entrepreneurship. You know, I had always um, thought through what would this look like for myself if I could have chosen, this would not have been the way. But I figured, and then I had a conversation with myself and I said, well, I've been building everybody else's business. Why not build my own? And then if I'm going to take a shot, I might as well take a short shot and just go ahead and invest in myself. I've been dang near killing myself over, you know, other companies. And I mean, it was to the point where I had people not showing up. So I had to work from really early in the morning to really late and put that on repeat over 30 days. You know, it was just literally running me ragged. So I figured why not, you know, take the shot and invest um, in myself. So still applying and things like that. Nothing was connecting. So here I am. Absolutely. Sometimes the quote unquote nine to five, it's quite exhausting because for me, um, I work a nine to five and Mm -hmm. I also do uh, Del Caro. It's very um, overwhelming sometimes dealing or kind of juggling both my quote unquote nine to five and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, doing what I love to do, which is helping people through 
providing resources because that's what Del Caro is about. So I totally understand where you're coming from regarding that. And if you're going to invest, why not um, invest in yourself? Right? Absolutely. So sure. where do you see she confessions? What direction do you see she confessions heading in? Sure. So up until the pandemic hit, you know, I was hosting events exclusively at Nordstrom. So before the store was open to the public, I would gather anywhere between 50 to 75 women together. And we actually had a, um, an empowerment event. And the reason I'm saying actually is because it wasn't in one in name only or photos. Like we actually had best practices and great takeaways. So no matter where you stood in terms of business, um, beginning, you know, intermediate, whatever level you're able to connect, make great connections and actually collaborate. I endorsed people collaborating. So a lot of the, um, the women that attended and their services that I used, I encouraged people to, you know, exchange information and then work with one another. Um, you know, for the most part, I'm really big in terms of inclusivity and having that collective um, collaborative approach. Now, when the pandemic hit, and even though, you know, we've been saying, oh, outside is open. But listen, for me, I'm not in a hurry to get back to you hosting a gathering because I would definitely um, be upset if someone were to get sick. You know, you want to think the best in people, but unfortunately, everyone's not as cautious as you would like them to be or how you would think yourself to be. I've had a lot of requests, you know, for, for gatherings, but I'm not in a place of comfortability. It's just too many unknowns and too many unknown variables. Um, and I don't speak for Nordstrom, but I feel like I can safely say they're probably in the same space that I'm in also with letting things kind of play out just a little bit. So, um, I decided to not, I'm not putting she confessions on hold. What I'm doing is I'm launching another business. So I am launching a premium candle, um, company. So I'm using premium in lieu of luxury. Um, I feel like luxury is the new haute couture. Everybody slaps couture on something and you know, you have to be certified, um, in France to say that you're actually, you know, a couture um, atelier. So rather than putting luxury on something and everybody has this, you know, I have a premium candle um, company that's launching next month. So that's where all my energies are going to right now. OMG, I'm a candle lover. So you know, I'll be a supporter. I just love oh, the, the way it smells, the mm -hmm. mood that it puts you in coming yeah. home from a long day of work, lighting mm -hmm. a candle on whining you know, putting your feet up, relaxing, and just kind of, you know, centering yourself that, okay, right. I'm home, I can relax, you know. Absolutely. So I, I love it. Um, so what made you decide candles exactly and not something sure. else? Yeah, well, um, funny you say that. It was not my idea to do a candle company because I'm like, another candle company, but the Holy Spirit told me to. Um, and the reason being is because coming out of the pandemic, I feel like a lot of people lost hope. You know, um, there's just so much negativity, so many yes. things that are out there that just seem really dark. And for many, this seems to be a very dark and tumultuous time. Yes. Um, and like a candle, especially in a dark room, it's mm. a beam of light. And I feel like not trying to be deep and philosophical, but people need to believe in something again. And, um, yes. you know, we know that human nature and we know that as humans, you know, we can be flawed. But one of the things that I think is the beauty of us being who we are in being, um, you know, human humanity has to hold on to hope and we can't lose hope. So, you know, that's essentially one of the underlining messages of my candle company. And the name of the company is called Etre Leger, which in French means be light. 
you know, little things, um, being a beacon of light one to, to another. So um, it's pretty much a statement. Yeah, the candles are great. They look great. They smell very nice. But essentially the message is like, listen, you're not by yourself. And a lot of things is not what a person looks like they may or may not be going through. A lot of people are in the same space. Um, you know, listen, we're living in uncertain times. We don't know what's going to happen, you know, from today to, yes. you know, next week and beyond. But we're in this together. And right now what we need to do is try to, you know, pull together as much as possible and not be positive, but stand in the hope that things will get better. But we have to facilitate change. And that's how we do it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like you stated, um, we people need hope. And I think these times that we're living in, uh, you know, especially the start of the pandemic last year, they were so uncertain. Even now mm-hmm. we're living in uncertain times. But there were times when we didn't know what is going on. You know, um, I'm sure you may know someone that has lost someone due to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and hope sometimes is all that we have. So I I love the message behind the candle. And then you stated also in the beginning, you said, Oh, gee, you know, another candle company. But mm-hmm. I always try to um, kind of try to shine a light on people when they, they say something like that. In regardings, mm-hmm. there is a million and one water company out there. You walk yep. down the aisle in the supermarket and you see all types of water. You have um, smart water, you have Dasani, you name it. Mm-hmm. And they all sell because they offer something for everyone absolutely so i I, you know and and i want to tell you you shouldn't ever say oops another candle company because you are needed the message behind your company your candles it's needed right now absolutely and see that's how i know it's god and not me And the reason why that was my response is because as a creative, I'm going to push certain boundaries and come up with something that's innovative. I'm going to come up with something that's different. Um, Some things will solve problems, but other things are going to be a part of a vision, right? But for myself in this space, this was not something that I came up with. You know, this is something that I felt like was assigned to me and it's something that I'm passionate about. Um, But the reason why that was my response essentially is because I have to have passion into it. But God's the one that gives me the hope into it um, to invest back into, you know, not only the company, but what the message is, you know. And so over time, um, you know, the pieces came together. You know, what's the mission? What is the meaning? Um, You know, what biblical reference does it stand on? You know, these are the things that came together. And that's how I know it's more of a divine inspiration, not something that's contrived that I sat and I thought about, you know, that's just, okay, this is meaningless. It has to have meaning and it has to connect. Absolutely. It it does. You know, when God gives you the vision, a lot of people, they tend not to move because they don't see the resources at hand. And my thing is once he gives you the vision, he will give you the provision for that vision. Thousand percent. You know, and so when you get the vision, I like how you just acted upon it and you didn't just stay or, or sat still with it. You just acted upon it and move as God will have you move. Yeah, when they say obedience is better than sacrifice, and listen, whatever Absolutely. he's ordering, he's paying for. So Ex- it's my job to do the work, bring it together, and then everything else will align accordingly. So, you know, 
I'm standing in faith, believing that things will come together and they will, and they have been. Yes. And I like to go back a little bit from 2020, the onset of the pandemic. Where were you at the time when the pandemic hit and everybody was going on lockdown? Can you describe like the space that you were in, in terms of working? Um, Mm -hmm. How did you receive that information? What was going through your head at that time? Well, at the time I was working, so I was working for a company. Um, My commute was about 45 minutes away. And then I was there. I knew we were about to shut down. Like, I just knew it. The day that I went in, I went in saying, hey, I have a feeling, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know, but I just feel like today's going to be the day that we shut down. And it was. So handled all that business, came back home. Um, and quite honestly, I now, granted, um, being completely sensitive and empathetic to those that have lost, I have um family members who have um, been fortunate enough to contract COVID and walk away from it being completely fine. And then I have friends, um, close friends of the family that have not been so lucky with their family members. So in sensitivity and respect to them, for me, I needed the break. Things were just too demanding to just in in society, just period, not, you know, pandemic space. But um, that's the one thing that the, the lockdown and quarantine was able to show me. You know, just doing, I don't want to say not necessarily doing too much, but not really, you know, taking pause to take care of yourself and to be present in each moment. You know, how can you be present for constantly thinking about the next thing? And it's not like you necessarily have like a choice to. So I was completely fine, worried um, for others, of course, but I was in a good space. I felt like if anything that I was in a um, more of a, I, I treated that space as an incubator. You know, outside of the natural things that were happening, um, you know, with the sickness and people unfortunately getting sick. But that was more of an incubation space for me. What keeps you motivated? In the world that we live in now, there is a lot of dark clouds, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, uncertain times and a lot of uncertainties. Nothing is seems as a guarantee anymore. And what helps you to keep going? I'm a naturally motivated person. You know, I am a sunny person by disposition. So I'm more, you know, I'm going to see more positive, um, you know, realist when you need to be for sure. My head isn't in the clouds um, to a point where it's not productive, but um, I'm naturally motivated. You know, I'm always one that challenges myself to make sure that I'm um, pushing myself to produce my own personal best. You know, I'm really big and my family's really big and making sure that we pick up that we pick up and move on from where the last one left off. So in terms of legacy, we're very mindful of that. Um, so it's more a sense of just, you know, being proud of your accomplishments, you know, living with um, purpose. And I know that sounds kind of like cliche, but I'm never one that's satisfied with being mediocre. You know, like I'm the person that's never late. I'm always super, super, super early. I'm always the person that's basically going to push themselves to do and to accomplish more because I'm just not satisfied with mediocrity. It's just not okay. The reason why it's not okay, because, you know, sometimes when I listen to, you know, pastors and things preach and then they speak on, you know, when you're on the other side, you know, and um, if you were to peer down into earth now. Once you've lived your life and you're on the other side, you can't come back. And if this is my shot, then by golly, I'm going to take my shot. But once my shot is gone, that's it. So would I really be okay if I didn't try? 
You know, I listened to when I was in school and I, I remember my first year going into um, the fashion department. So basically as an art student, freshman year was your foundation year. You didn't go into your major until your sophomore year. So here I am sophomore year and I'm listening to a senior. And this particular senior was like the like golden child dang near. Everybody loved whatever she did. It's like, you know, she could do no wrong. She was very, you know, talented. But I asked her a question and I said, hey, Alex. And um, I'll never forget her name, Alexandra DeYoung. And I said to her, I said, hey, Alex, would you have done anything different? And you know what she said to me, which was very surprising. She said, you know, I would have tried harder. I'm looking at her like she had five heads. I'm like, what? This is the same person that won pretty much every award you could possibly think of. You know, she interned at DVF too, you know, and she has all these accomplishments and accolades. And even she said she would have tried harder. And it was then that I realized, you know, at the end of the day, you got to be happy with yourself and what you produced. And I feel like um, some things are just an inside job. Sometimes you don't have the want to want to. I have to encourage myself. But the majority of the time, I never um, have to get into a space of, oh, let's do something beyond just the status quo. You know, I crave wanting to be an agent of change and wanting to produce something that's worthy of leaving a legacy that people talk about long after I'm gone. Now, what would you say to someone who has lost so many family members to the mm-hmm. pandemic, lost their jobs, lost hope, is pretty much down and out with their mm-hmm. health, pretty much all their friends just disappeared? What would you say to someone who feels that they have no hope at this moment? I would say to that person, you know, hold on and don't give up. It's not just you. You know, um, everything is not necessarily what it appears to be. There are tons of people that have resources and they have big families and they feel just as alone as that person may feel, you know, in that space. I've been in plenty of spaces before where, you know, this is the first time I found myself in this position. I've never not worked as far as I can remember. You know, I started working when I was 16. I had to have a workers permit. Um, I was able to excel very quickly. It was in management in my late teens and ever since then. And then I worked for a company and um, essentially due to some of their officers and they're basically trying to cover an officer that made a mistake. Now I'm out of a job and I've never been in this position. I get it. Sometimes life be life in, (laughs) you know, life happens. But in that moment, it's okay to, you know, have your moment. Just don't stay there. You know, just don't stay there. You'd be surprised sometimes how a shift in perspective can show you um, what options you do have. You know, and I'll say this much. Um, so the job that I mentioned that I was working without mentioning the companies um, that I was traveling to, that I was commuting to, I didn't have that much time to myself because I was constantly commuting, you know, traffic, et cetera. And I'm on top of mall hours. So by the time, you know, I'm coming and going, you're talking about getting home hours late. By the time I get in the house, you know, this is the eat maybe a half hour TV and really all I'm doing is just trying to like settle down and then go to sleep to put that on repeat. The last job that I lost, literally, um, I ended up in the hospital because I could not get any rest. I was constantly having to work. And I mean, having to work from 6 a.m. to 3 a.m. the next day because people were constantly calling out. Um, they were pushing me to a point of like literally it's like that job tried to kill me. But I remember when I was working that job, how I was dang near in tears almost every night talking about, God, I wish I had the time to work on my thing. I I can't even work on my businesses anymore because I don't have the time. And now look, now, yeah, I lost the job. But also remember what I was praying for essentially was I didn't have time. Now I have nothing but time. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's it's not necessarily how um, 
things happen, you know, you kind of have to change your perspective. If I kept my perspective in a negative connotation that I would see, all I would see is what I don't have instead of me looking at what I do have. So I took advantage of the time in quarantine. All I did literally was plan the one business. Now I'm literally planning five businesses at the same time because my thing is that when everything does catch up, you know, um, I just want it to be like a plug-in and pay. So, you know, I'm waiting on funds from unemployment. Y'all, I think it's hilarious. I mean, it's really not funny, but it, it's, look, I couldn't make this stuff up. I filed an unemployment in January, January 17th to be exact. What's today's date? It's August what? 16th. What's the date? August 16th. Okay. I have not received my payout to date. I have not. My last check was in January. Listen, I get dark times and things like that happen, but again, it's perspective. I'm not sitting here, you know, having a woe is me moment because I can't afford to. The second that I do that, I'm literally taking away oxygen from the things I'm trying to breathe life into. So, you know, if you need to tap in another person, um, I feel like if you ask for it um, and you speak, hey, you know what, I need somebody or I need to hear something that's going to help me make it until the next day. I don't know if it's going to come through the radio, if it's going to be a person you meet on the street. You never know. But I guarantee you, if that's what something that you need, then you'll get it. And then day after day, just literally treat it day by day. I've had those weeks and months before where all I had was, you know what, I'm just going to focus on today and then the next day. And then before you know it, give yourself little things and just let it build. But just don't tap out and don't give up. Can't afford to. I think that would be today's um, word of the day. Don't tap out. Don't give up. Guys. You heard Miss Speaks. She just summed up the whole Del Caro unveils. Um, so there's nothing left for me to say. That oh, was no. beautiful. <laughs> I can't, I have nothing. But I do have this one thing to say. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times I feel, um, for me, and I'm sure others out there, you know, feel the same way. A lot of times we want perfect. Mm -hmm. But we're imperfect. So striving yeah. for perfection, it, 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 it's no such thing. Agreed. So we just have to, you know, try to learn to go with the flow and, you know, just um, live your life. And, and if yeah. God give you a vision to start a business or venture off into something, he'll make the provision because that's what he does. You know, you just Absolutely. have to trust the process. Is there anything else you would like to leave with the audience? Sure. I'll just piggyback on the um, perfectionist piece. You know, I used to, in my mind, I wasn't pushing for perfection, but I found out that's what I was doing. And that perf that uh, so-called quest for perfection was actually uh, just another name for procrastination. And so I had to learn, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm not competing with anyone else's anything or what I think perfection should be. I should put out what I have in what um, the refined version that it can be. And then if it grows and it, it, it hits a state of just being uh, metamorphosized into something else, then that's what it is. 
you know, at the end of the day, you want to be happy with what you put your name on. And um, that doesn't mean that it has to be a thousand percent perfect because at the end of the day, what you are killing yourself over, someone else has something that I guarantee you they probably spent a quarter of the time doing. And guess what? They have their crew, their tribe, their community that's buying into it. And it may not necessarily be to your standard. And when I realized that one day, I was like, you know what? Why am I killing myself to produce something? And I'm already happy with it as is, you know, just letting it organically develop. And um, when that happened, I mean, definitely set me free. So I don't put myself in the confines of trying to have Mm -hmm. it look like a certain thing. You know, when we create, they're kind of like living, breathing things. And just organically, it's about evolution. We're evolving just as much as we're creating. So allowing us to have that space just to to grow and giving us grace to have, have that moment. Absolutely. And guys, just so you know, this podcast has not been scripted. Um, so, you know, we just let the conversation flow because, mm-hmm. um, we believe in authentic, um, conversations. So, um, keeping it on cut. So there you have it, folks. Um, we thank our guests. Miss. Thank you so much. Thank um, you for having me. You're welcome. You're most welcome. And, um, we're we're going to link all your social media info um on this episode but you stated your the candles line hit the um the the launch date it hit the mm-hmm. website next month in September yes, next month yep it'll be next month so do we have an exact date or um I have a date but what's happening see what happened was no <laughs> the date that I want to launch is September the 4th but already things are backing up Um, with the pandemic. I don't know um, if people have noticed that, but certain things are starting to get backed up. So I've got a lot of wax, got about 150 pounds of wax that's on its way to me. I'm not sure if everything will be, um, you know, exactly to me so that I can produce and have everything out. But this is my soft launch. My official launch won't be until April, but I want to, you know, get some things out there. So um, prayerfully, September the 4th, if not, um, you know, definitely stay tuned, follow the link. And, um, I update on there very often. So I also have some things, um, for you guys to either invest in, take away or purchase at least by mid month, September. Awesome. And we will be looking out for the, um, launch, soft launch and the official launch. So I'll let all my, uh, listeners and social media followers know, when this uh, uh, beautiful candle line drops. And thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for your support and staying connected. Okay, last thing, guys. Um, you know, we at Del Caro like to say this, to treat others with kindness, respect, and dignity, for it's the only human way. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Del Caro Unveiled. See you next time. <laughs>